It's not easy to do, is it? Stillness is a discipline that we've lost, especially in American culture. That was exactly 60 seconds. How many of you felt uncomfortable with that? Nobody? We're going to do it. Okay, a couple. All right, all right. Thank you. We got two. I going to say we're going to do it more often, but... Patty and Justin are uncomfortable with that. No, it's, no, and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way at all. It's, it's something we don't practice. You become good at whatever you practice. And, and I'm willing to bet most of us don't practice stillness before God. There's an old saying that goes, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll, he'll make you busy. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, speed of life makes us move along the surface and we never go down deep in relationships or anything else to figure out what's underneath because of the speed of our lives. One of my uh one of my favorite lines in the movie Runaway Bride is when Richard Gere is sitting on the uh on the piano bench and his ex-wife is sitting next to him and he's playing and and he he just stops. He has this epiphany and he says, "Did I just not see you?" She looks at him, she goes, "No." You didn't. The speed of his life made him miss the most important human relationship that he was supposed to have, and it ended up in the movie in divorce. But it happens like that all the time in the real world, doesn't it? We just miss each other because we're moving way too fast to go deep. And and I think that, that we do this with God a lot. We move way too fast to hear his voice, especially when God's talking to us about our past, our pain, we we will use um, busyness as a badge of honor, and, and really it should be this big warning sign that maybe we're missing something important. I want you to imagine with me what the first chapter of Genesis would look like, what it would sound like, if God approached life the same way you and I do. Here it is. In the beginning, it was 9 o'clock, so God had to go to work. He filled out a requisition to separate light from darkness. He considered making stars to beautify the night and planets to fill the skies, but thought it sounded like too much work. And besides, thought God, that's not my job. So he decided to knock off early and call it a day. And he looked at what he had done and he said, it'll have to do. On the second day, God separated the waters from the dry land. He made all the dry land flat, plain, and functional so that, behold, the whole earth looked like Idaho. 
He thought about making mountains and valleys and glaciers and jungles and forests, but he decided it wouldn't be worth the effort. And God looked at what he had done that day and he said, it'll have to do. And God made a pigeon to fly in the air and a carp to swim in the waters and a cat to creep upon dry ground. And God thought about making millions of other species of all sizes of shapes and colors, but he couldn't drum up enough enthusiasm for any other animals. In fact, he wasn't too crazy about the cat. Besides, it was almost time for the late show, so God looked at all he had done that day and God said, it'll have to do. And at the end of the week, God was seriously burned out. So he breathed a big sigh of relief and he said, thank me, it's Friday. <laughs> now, we know that the first book of Genesis doesn't look anything like that. It is filled with the words, and God said, and it was so, and it was what? No, 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 no. It was very good. When God put humans on the earth, it was very good. And God gave us everything we needed to have a wonderful life. But when you look around, it doesn't seem like there's all that many people too enthused about their wonderful lives. Could it be that maybe we're too busy to have a wonderful life, to enjoy our life? Or could it be that we're too busy to even notice life as it goes by? That's a personal choice, and it's not God's fault. More than likely, you, you have the life that you've chosen. So don't blame God when things don't go your way. We're in this whole journey called um, freeway, and, and we've decided that we're going to take some steps to learn how to deal with the pain in our past, and we're going to have to be honest. And I'm going to tell you, last week, I kept telling my group, my small group, now, somebody's going to be courageous, and it's going to go deep, and I don't know how long it's going to take to go deep, and then all of a sudden, boom, somebody dove off the diving board and went deep, and the Holy Spirit invaded my living room. And then somebody over here went, and then somebody over here went, and, and there were tears that were shed, but I'm telling you, when when somebody opens up, All of us, our spirits were knit together, mingled together in the middle of that room through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to tell you, if you, if you don't have a small group, you're missing, you're missing a huge chunk of what God has for you. So the first step that we're going to look at, and I didn't put this on your listening guide, so write this down. Just do me a favor, write this down. The first step in becoming free from our past is awareness. Step one, awareness. You'll see it on the slide when it comes back up in a minute, um, somewhere on there. Uh, down at the bottom. So awareness, we have to become aware and we can't become aware if we're moving too fast. If we really want to be free, maybe we need to stop saying to God, I'm busy and start saying to God, I'm ready. We need to do a, a very serious inventory of the pace of our lives today. And many of us need to acknowledge that we're using our super connected, plugged in, fast paced lives to ignore the voice of God and some of the things he's asking us to look at. And you've heard me say this over and over if you've been here any amount of time. Uh, If you're happy with the results that you've gotten, by all means, keep doing what you've been doing. But if you want something different in your life, you're going to have to choose to do some things differently. You can't do things the way you've always done. And maybe it starts with saying, God, I'm ready for a change. God, I'm ready to be free. God, I'm ready to listen to you direct me to the path that you want me to be on. 
And if you're gonna, if you're ready, if you're gonna say, God, I'm ready for this, then you gotta slow down. I wanna show you several scriptures today. We're gonna go through several of these, but these are all relevant. Psalm 127, 2 says this. It is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. How many of you knew that was in the Bible? Let me just see your hands. Three or four. So that's a surprise to the rest of you. Most people think if I really give my life to God, he's going to pile on more stuff and I'm not going to have enough time to do God's stuff and my stuff. Well, that's actually true. But God doesn't, you don't understand who God is if you think he's going to make your life more busy, more hectic. Now, you've probably heard the 23rd Psalm read at, a, read at a funeral or you've heard it through the years. The first verse of the 23rd Psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, verse two is what I want you to see. It's on your listening guides or if your smartphone's on version, or you can follow along up here on the screen. Verse two says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And if all of y'all were sheep, you'd be so much more excited about that verse than you are right now. Because a sheep understands. He makes me lie down. He leads me. A sheep understands this is a picture of paradise. This is rest, refreshment. This is the good shepherd saying to us, I'm interested in your recreation and your rest. Some of you didn't know that. God wants you to live this whole balanced life, complete. And if you give your life to Jesus, let me just tell you something. I'm, I'm willing to bet he's not going to pour more on you. He's going to take some stuff off of you so that you can slow down because you do not hear the voice of God when you're moving quickly. You hear it in a still small voice. So today I've got this prescription for busy, stressed out people. And here it is. This is, this is profound. You ready? The prescription is relax. And there it was. And there it was. We're just moving on. It's supposed to be the cue of the song. See, I'll imagine. Somebody sing it. Relax. Don't do it. When you want to go through it, relax. Don't do it. You could almost hear that, couldn't you? It's like we planned it. Okay. Number one in this, this whole relax, we're going to do an acrostic. And don't do this very often, but the R in, in relax is realize my worth. This is a big deal. The reason most people overwork is because they confuse their work and their worth. They think if I work hard, I'll be more valuable. Um, we confuse our occupation with who we are. So when we meet someone, what do we do? We say, what's your name? We talk about it. And then what's the second question we ask? What do you do? And, and especially for men, man, our identity, our value is wrapped up in what we do. And, and we want to have a good thing. You know, it's why people lie at some parties. You know, what do you do? Well, I'm an architect or, you know, whatever. Um, I'm a physical therapist, and and if I hear that, then I want to say, I'm a spiritual therapist, um, you know, because I want to sound important. No, I don't. I don't. I do. I do say I work for God. He's my boss, and he's the best boss ever. But we 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 think that our value is tied to whatever our occupation is, and the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that that your worth in God's eyes has nothing to do with your vocation whatsoever, and. uh we, we are going around trying to prove ourselves, trying to prove that we matter. And here's the harsh reality of the situation. The people that matter in your life, most of the time wish you wouldn't work so much. Some guys need to hear that. The antidote to, to putting my value in my, in my work is to realize what God says about me. And this comes from James chapter 1, verse 18. God decided to give us life through the word of truth so that we might be, somebody help me out, the what? The most important things of all the things he's made. 
God says you matter more than the rest of creation. So you can relax. You don't have to prove your worth. And if you ever understand who you are in God's eyes, it will change your life. Because if God likes me and I like me and you don't like me, that's your problem. Because I'm not supposed to please you. I'm supposed to please my heavenly father. Man, there's freedom in that. When I realize I don't have to be liked by everybody. It doesn't mean I can be a jerk. It's God's fault. He made me this way. No, I just try to please my father. Because when I please my father, I'm going to please his followers as well. And I'm probably going to be like Jesus and be liked by non-Christians as well. Because I'm pleasing my heavenly father. Jesus said it this way, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? What's the answer to that? Are you far more valuable than birds? Yes, you are. The point is that if God notices birds and takes care of them, God will certainly notice you and take care of you. Why? Because you're more valuable to him than birds. And I just want you to know there's nothing you can ever do that will make God love you more. And there's nothing you can ever do that will make God love you less. His love is not based on what you do. His love is not based on performance. It's based on his nature. God is love, the Bible tells us. It's who he is. He can't help but love you. You're his creation. So you don't have to prove your worth by overworking. God says you're okay. And and this is cool. In the Old Testament, God was talking to his people, and he said, I have engraved you on my hands. Now, if you fast forward to the New Testament and you think about Jesus being nailed to the cross, and, and I've heard this over and over and over again, Jesus, you know, uh, we asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And Jesus says, you know how much I love you this much. And he stretches out these hands upon which, because he's God, upon which the names of his children are written. He allows nails to be driven into those hands. How can he possibly forget a child whose name is engraved in his hand? He died, he rose again, and someday when you get before him, He's going to show you those nail-scarred, engraved hands and say, this is how much you matter to me. I get my worth from my heavenly Father, not from people who can be so fickle and use me and abuse me. Do you see the difference? Get your value, your worth. Realize your worth while in God's eyes. Number two, the E in relax is enjoy what I already have. Ecclesiastes 3.13 says, all of us should enjoy what we have worked for. It is God's gift. Now, let me ask you a question. Can you be so preoccupied with getting more stuff that you don't enjoy what you already have? Happens all the time, right? We get into this unhealthy syndrome, the desire to acquire. Well, they got that, and theirs is newer than mine, so I need something new, and I want that. And they move up, they get a promotion, I need a promotion. And we just, we do all of these things to try to to keep up with the Joneses, and we don't realize that they're in debt up to their eyeballs, and they've just refinanced everything, and and, and somewhere in the third or fourth generation, their great-great-great-great-grandchildren might pay off their debt, or they're just going to file for bankruptcy. We buy things we don't need to impress people that we don't like with money that we don't even have. And we get stressed out financially, so mom and dad both have to work because the focus of our relationship is no longer our relationship. The focus is the due date of our bills. And anytime you take the focus off of relationship, put it on your due date, the relationship suffers. God says this, 
Ecclesiastes 4, 6. It's better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. The greatest things on earth are not things. I don't even know how many, how many times I've seen people on their deathbed. I've watched several people literally breathe their last breath. It's not a pleasant thing to do. And here's something I've noticed. Never when somebody is on their deathbed are they laying there and they go, pull out the IV, get this nose thing out. I've got a project due. I got to get back to the office. Help me up. Never seen it. But I've seen people open their eyes and tears come down. And they think about the things they should have done because when they're laying on their deathbed, everything that's important becomes crystal clear. And it's not your job. It's not the TV show. It's not the hobby. It's relationships. They say, I wish I'd spent more time with the family. I wish I'd spent more time with God even. Now, here's a strange thing I've noticed. In, in American culture, have you noticed that, that it's considered a tragedy if you die penny, penniless? I say, what better time to go? You write your last check, you, you've got, or, you know, your last debit, whatever, you're penniless. I say, that's great timing if you die right then. Give it all away. And then go spend time with God. Because when you die, somebody else is going to spend your money. Right? You can't take it with you, but you can, you can make investments in the kingdom of heaven. You can send it on ahead by making investments in the kingdom of God. So I'm just telling you, enjoy what you have right now while you have it. The L in relax is limit my labor. This is a conscious decision. I'm only going to spend this much amount of time at work, no more. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to schedule time for myself. I'm going to spe- schedule time with God. I'm going to schedule time with my family. Those are the important things. Work isn't everything. Limiting your labor. Now, this is really important for two groups. One is if you're self-employed, you tend to never stop working, right? You carry, especially now that we have cell phones and we got email and everything, text messages that can get you all the time. You've got to detach from that thing. In fact, one of our questions tonight at small group is, is how attached are you to your cell phone? That's going to have a, that's going to have a pretty good discussion, I think, tonight when we get there. How attached are you to electronic devices? You got to put that thing down. Uh, <laughs> and then the, the, because if you're self-employed, you're working all the time. The second group is single parents. Oh my, single parents, you, you are, you are the heroes of our society. I don't know how you work and take care of a family and stay sane. Maybe the last one, I'm not so sure you always stay sane, right? But you more than anybody else, you've got to set some boundaries and have some healthy time for you and for God away from those little darlings. Because <laughs> you got to remember this, our best requires rest and you can actually get so many irons in the fire that you put out the fire. So you got to guard that time. I love this next verse because it doesn't matter what your IQ is. You can understand this. Only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. If I work all the time, I'm dumb. Look what, look what Exodus 20 says. This is right smack in the middle. This is, this is the sixth commandment. Exodus 20 contains the Ten Commandments. God says, you have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is to be a day of rest dedicated to me. So this is so important that it's right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, and it's right up there with do not commit 
adultery and do not murder, God says it's in his top 10 list that we need to have some rest. It's a big deal to have a Sabbath, have a Sabbath. And a Sabbath literally means a day of rest. Now in Mark chapter two, Jesus said that the Sabbath was created for human beings. It was made for man and woman, not uh, the other way around. And so God gave this to benefit us as humans. And then in Colossians, it says that you don't have to necessarily do it on Saturday. It's just the rule is you need one day of rest a week. And so Sunday is not my Sabbath day. Sunday is a work day for me. I get up early and I go all day. So I have a different Sabbath, but I need a day. And let me just tell you what you do on a Sabbath. There's three things that you need to pay attention to on the Sabbath. One is to rest your body. If you don't take time to rest your body, your body will take time to rest itself, right? Either in the hospital or with cold, flu, whatever. During the French Revolution, they actually outlawed Sunday as a day of rest. And within just a few years, they had to reinstate it, not for religious reasons, but because the whole nation was worn out physically because they'd been working too much. Now, some of you, let me just ask this. How many of you feel guilty when you relax? Couple? Because you're, you're, you, you feel like you've got to be doing something? In all honesty, all seriousness, let me ask you this. Are you busier than Jesus? Because Jesus took time to rest. Jesus told his disciples to take time to rest. Now, some of you may be busier. You may be going, I'm busier than Jesus. And it may be true. And that is not a good thing. Let me ask you this. Is what you're doing more important than what Jesus did? Because I'm willing to bet that what you're doing only lasts for this life. What Jesus did lasts forever. So if you're busier than Jesus, you're wrong. And, and if, if you think what you're doing is more important than Jesus, you're dead wrong. Take some time off and relax. So the first thing on a Sabbath, rest my body. Second, recharge your emotions. What things recharge you emotionally? Um, you need some things, some recreation things that, that, that you like to do. Not necessarily the popular thing, because there's some recreation thing. I just, somebody says, you want to do that? No. You want to go fishing? Yep. I love sitting at a deer stand. Even when there's nothing out there. Now, I admit, if I do it for 30, 40, 60 days, I get tired of sitting at a deer stand and seeing nothing. But a lot of times, when I'm in a deer stand, I'll pull out my, my Bible and read. Or I'll pray. Or sometimes I sleep. Biggest deer I've ever seen. I was fast asleep on Thanksgiving Day, leaned up in the corner, my gun's over here, and the sucker's looking at me 10 yards away. And I'm like, I can't move. You know, and you get the buck fever and your heart starts. And that sucker turned and walked straight away from me. People were like, shoot him in the butt. And I said, I, I, I didn't want to do that. But I was catching up on my beauty rest, and, and, and me and Jesus had some good time, and I missed the biggest deer I'd ever seen. Do something that, that recharges you, not that drains you. That's, that's not a good thing to do on your Sabbath. Oh, by the way, on your Sabbath day, don't catch up on all the work that you didn't get done during the week. Does that do anything to make you a nice person? No, ask your family. Number three, so we're going to rest our body, we're going to recharge our emotions, we're going to refocus our spirit. The Bible calls that worship. See, a lot of people come in here every week and they've got massive problems in their lives. And something about coming to God and, and singing and being taught God's word, all of a sudden we get a different perspective, which is what worship is all about. 
and you learn some different things. You learn that, number one, God is bigger than your problems. You learn that, number two, maybe you're not the only person who has that problem. And you learn that, number three, that problem may be just a this life problem and not the next life problem, which means it's not that big a deal, right? That's what worship does. And if you're not spending time with God on a daily basis and on a weekly basis, you're missing one of the reasons your Heavenly Father created you. You need worship. In fact, it is the most important thing you do. You should worship before you ever try to serve God. Because we get it backwards, and that's when we mess churches up and we mess people up. When we try to serve, and oh, worship can wait. No, it can't. Worship is number one. So this limit your labor, you've got to make some choices. Number four, adjust my values. Change my thinking about what is important. Here's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4.4. I've learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they envy the things their neighbors have. Ouch. I love the Bible because people say the Bible's not relevant. They hadn't read it. There's some key important things that... that uh, that you need to choose to put as your highest priority. Look what Jesus said. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? So I want you to start asking yourself, before you do the extra project, before you get all stressed out, and this is remarkable, this whole thing, this is God's timing. Because on my little book, as I'm going through my workbook, and it says, how busy are you? I've got to put that I'm at the, I'm at the side that's not sustainable, I've been moving so fast and I hear my wife pray and my wife will say, God, sustain Doug because he's moving too fast. And when I move too fast, I miss the people around me. And so I just, uh, this whole week, I've made a conscious choice to slow down. And it's, it's amazing how much nicer you are and how much more you can connect with people when you're moving slowly. So adjust our values. You need to ask yourself, is it worth it? Because if something happens, if I get in a wreck on, and they take me to the hospital, I'm laying on my deathbed and, and your grass isn't cut, I'm going to say, I don't care. Mow it yourself. Right? Because when you get the right perspective, you slow down and realize it's not as big a deal as you made it out to be. Ask yourself, is it worth it? Because when you're doing that project, who's parenting the kids? Because when you go and, and, and you do this instead of watching your kids over here, what are you teaching your kids? Which is more important to you? Now, I know occasionally you can't help that, but when it's every time, your kids are smart and they know they don't matter. So we got to rearrange this stuff so that we're hearing from God and then we're making investments in the right relationships. Last thing exchange my pressure for God's peace. This gets at the root of your stress. There are three kinds of fatigue. There's physical fatigue. That's when you're just exhausted. It's actually the easiest one to remedy, the quickest one to remedy. There is um, emotional fatigue. That's when your feelings are tired, your emotions are tired. Guys don't even like to admit that we have emotions, but we do, and our wives and the ladies in our lives know that, and they laugh at us because we're dumb. But it's emotional fatigue. And then there's a third one, spiritual fatigue. Spiritual fatigue. It's a dry spirit. And this is actually the deepest need that you have. Now, you may need a vacation. And, and Janie and I go on a vacation every year. We just went on an awesome cruise. And you know what we do on cruises? Whatever we want to do. 
we sleep late. We stayed up till one thirty, two o'clock. We would do whatever. We'd watch the movies out by the sea, and then we would go get some ice cream, and, and then we would sleep in, and we would have breakfast around 11.30 or noon, and then we would go sit out and read books, and is it hot? Well, let's jump in the water. If it's not, we did whatever. We, it's why we like cruises, because we can relax, and sometimes you need a vacation just to, to be renewed physically. But a vacation is not going to do anything for emotional fatigue and spiritual fatigue. The only one that can can meet your deepest needs is your Heavenly Father who created you. He knows more about you than anyone, and He loves you more than anyone. And you've got to connect with Him in order to have healed emotions and a healed spirit. <laughs> now, you know that, that, y'all know that children, for the most part, resist taking naps, right? They resist it. It's a sign of immaturity when you resist rest. So if you're working so much and you're not wanting to slow down, not only you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments, you're also telling everyone that you're immature. Sheep don't like to lay down and rest either. Do you know that? Back to Psalm 23, verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down. That's a forcible action. The good shepherd at times makes his sheep lie down. I don't know if God's ever made you, but he's, he, he'll get your attention. God can take your health anytime. My favorite professor in seminary spent nine months in a hospital bed when he was 19 years old, and he said, God got my attention. He said, as I was staring, and this was back in the, in the 30s, he said, as I was laying in there staring, I had no place to go but God, and God said, let me teach you some things. So over nine months, he taught him, and this was the most incredible seminary professor ever, taught out of the, the, the uh, Greek New Testament. New guy came in one time and he's reading and he's like, uh, Dr. Gorman, what, what translation are you using? And, and the rest of us are snickering. He's, he's like, um, the Greek New Testament. I mean, dude, read out of it. And he told, he told us over and over, if you get too busy, God can lay you flat on your back for as long as he wants to just to show you that he is in charge. Now, you need a relationship with this God so that he can set the pace. And I, I just want to read something to you. This is, this is a paraphrase of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me stop and rest at intervals. He provides me with images of stillness to restore my serenity. He leads me in the way of efficiency of, to calmness of mind. And this guidance is peace. Even though I have a great many things to accomplish this day, I will not fret for his presence is here. His timeliness, his importance will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of my activity, anointing my head with the oils of tranquility. My cup of joyous energy overflows. Surely harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruits of my hours, for I shall walk in the pace of my Lord and dwell in his heaven forever." When you do life God's way, it's the smartest way, it's the best way, it's the healthiest way, it's the most relaxing way. And Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. He said, come to me, all of you who are tired and heavy and have heavy loads, and I will give you rest. The load I give you to carry is light. If you're stressed out, tired and weary, you're not living life the way God wants you to. And you need to make some choices. Jesus says, come to me, come to me and let me take the load. Let me just finish with a with the message paraphrase of, of Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty. See if this rings true to you. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. This is Jesus speaking. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real 
real rest. Walk with me and, and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Does that sound like something you might desire? That type of relationship? Anyone? I do. Bow your heads for just a moment. Just out of curiosity, I'm the only one looking around. How many of you walked in here really tired today? Let me see your hands. How many of you came in here stressed about the problems that you have in your life? Let me see your hands. All right, of those of you who raised your hands, how many of you can say that I sought God with everything I had before I walked in these doors? Anyone? Good. We got one. Now, I don't, I don't tell you that to make you feel bad. I tell you that to say, get your focus off your problems. Get your focus off your calendar and put it on your Heavenly Father. Because he's, he's crying out today, come to me. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's just admit that Satan has made us busy. And when we're busy, we miss stuff. So I just want you to take 10 seconds and tell God, I'm tired of this. I want to do it your way. Would you just pray that where you're sitting, silently? And I want to ask you to say to God, or ask God, what is it I need to change in my life to be more aligned with your word? Ask him that. See what he says. God, we know that you can speak to us at any time. You can slow us down at any time. Sometimes it's out of your grace and mercy that you don't slow us down, but sometimes it's out of grace and mercy that you do. God, some of us are on a pace that if we keep it up, we will put ourselves in the ground because we can't do it. And we're going to be really upset when we spend all of our time climbing a ladder of success only to realize it's propped up against the wrong wall. God, get our attention today and show us what's important. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.